we are very, very honored, more than honored than Jim, to have Chris Duncan, who is the fourth um, owner that signed with us back in 2003, October 2003, and, and um, opened shortly thereafter. And he just re-signed with us for another term uh, about a year and a half ago, so we're real happy about that. Chris Duncan owns Citywide Maintenance of Columbus, Ohio. So, Chris, welcome to the call. Really appreciate it. And again, my apologies for that. Yeah, no problem, sir. No problem. I'm going to hear about that one for a while, I know. So, Chris, before we, we get into the question and answer uh, part of this, um, can you tell everybody what your background was prior to becoming a citywide owner? Uh, yes, sir. I went to college. Uh, probably three-quarters of the way through college for computer science. Did a year's internship and uh, decided that was not the life for me. I uh, went back home and went into business with my two brothers. Um, we had a business in the oil and gas industry. Uh, I think we had it about uh, 10 or 12 years. Uh, during that time, we kind of uh, did everything in-house and started to somewhat transition to the uh, outsourcing uh, model that Citywide was and is still is today. Um, so I got to kind of experience and that's what's really kind of drew it to me. So we ended up selling that business. Uh, I spent two, two to three years looking for another business to buy, start, uh, whatever. Um, I had a, a relative that had bought a franchise, said I should go see this uh, franchise uh, facilitator. I did. Um, when I got there uh, with some of the ideas that I wanted to potentially look at, uh, it just so happened within uh, that week, he had received a packet from Citywide, an initial packet. Um, so that's how I kind of got introduced to it. So I started doing research on it. Um, it was one of the three, I think it was, that we reached out to. Uh, the thing that uh, kind of drew me to Citywide was the fact that it was a family-owned business, which is what I had come from. Um, the the model was the same thing that it was uh, you know subcontracting uh, model because uh, the last business uh, that I had I had uh, forty three hourly employees and I said never again um, and one of the biggest things that also really kind of locked it was I was having to prove myself as much as they were having to prove themselves to me so that's kind of how the whole relationship started of, uh, you know, getting started with Citywide. Okay, good, good. So appreciate that. And, you know, good, good background prior to being in business for yourself and, and kind of the reasons why. And, and I think, I think we'll talk about this as we uh, move on through this call, but, you know, talk a little bit about being the fourth uh, franchisee in the system coming on board and, and probably be able to address some of the changes uh, that we've gone through uh, through the years and get your perspective on that as well as we as we open it up to questions Yes, um, you know, of course the things are quite different from when I started again like you point out uh, franchise number four I mean back then that was Kind of a you know an idea uh, uh, Of how it was that they were going to proceed forward, but only drawing on their own experience and so um, I was franchise number four so that was a, kind of another thing that kind of went into the my ultimate decision was the fact that I felt that I was going to get fantastic support being that I was only the fourth one to sign, which was true. I, I, I got outstanding, unbelievable support, but that's one of the greatest things that 
for citywide in my experience is that that hasn't changed. Um, you know, it, it, there was a few ups and downs, uh, in the 17 years, almost 17 years <clears throat> that I've been with citywide, but, uh, by and large, I've always received very good prompt, uh, uh, help whatever I wanted, whenever I needed it, however I needed it. Uh, it's been there. That's something that hasn't changed since day one. Um, but, you know, uh, there's a lot of things that, you know, we started out with thoughts and processes and procedures and policies that have changed over the years because every time you add another city, <clears throat> you add to the experience. Therefore, the overall experience becomes uh, so much better. Um, uh -huh. I often wonder where I would be today if I started just five years ago with how far the system had come at that point, 12 years. Um, you know, so that's, that's one of the great things is every day, this, the systems, the policies and procedures are just getting, um, uh, redef uh, or, uh, further defined and, uh, um, uh, perfected. So that, that's right. been a huge thing over the 17 years. Okay, good, good. Um, I'd like to open up the questions. We've got we've got a um, couple people that have had been on multiple calls, and we've got a couple other people that this is their first call. So, uh, whoever would like to start off, please please uh, go ahead and ask ask Chris uh, anything you want. He's an open book, very transparent, and he'll he'll tell it like it is. Hi, this is Frank Herrera. And Chris, if you wouldn't mind, uh, I think when you started off, you talked about, or maybe you were introduced as um, kind of signing on for another term. Could uh, could someone share with me what the initial term is and how many terms you go through, and you know what's what's the idea about you know a new term? Well, the initial term that I signed for was 15 years. The franchise agreement was uh, the initial term was for uh, 15 years, and then uh, like Mark alluded to, about a year and a half ago. Uh, that's obviously because October will be 17 years. So, uh, almost two years ago that, um, uh, my contract was expiring and it needed, needed to be renewed, which it was. And, the the term on the second contract is for 10 years. Yep. And, uh, and, and just Frank, so you know, and again, you'll, you'll start learning this as this is the first time you've been exposed to us, but, uh, today the, the term is a 10 year term. Okay, thank you. Did that answer your question? Sorry, I muted myself, but yeah, that does answer my question. Okay, sir. Great, thank you. What great question, uh, Frank? What other questions do, do does everybody have? Hi, this is Neil Frost, and uh, just a question overall. What's probably, if, if you think about your biggest obstacle that you've had to overcome in the years that you've been um, associated with Citywide, what what was it? Is it still a concern, and how did you address it? Uh, I would say... <laughs> I know that's a pretty wide question. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I pretty much zeroed right in it right at the beginning. You know, it's myself. Yeah. Um, oh. You know, uh, don't buy a franchise system if you're not going to work the system and especially work at 100%. Um, 
you know, because it works. And if you're not running the system 100%, it's not going to work 100%. So, you know, there's there's things that initially um, that uh, decisions I made that I, uh, I, I thought I knew uh, as much about business. I didn't know as much about business as I thought I did. So some of the decisions that I made outside of what the system may have been, uh, you know, caused me, you know, delays and, and or issues uh, with with growth. Um, so, you know, I, I, I would say, yeah, without a doubt, it's, you know, uh, the biggest difficulty was myself. Um, yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yes, sir. Uh, this is Frank again. Um, understanding that the, the market is probably a fragmented market. So your competition is like everything. Um, how do you how do you kind of continue to drive to uh, obtain new business and maintain your existing? You know, uh, I'm not sure if I totally understand what you mean by fragment. I mean, you know, the thing of it is, is um, we even though some cities may be experiencing some issues, it comes down to personnel and thoughts and processes. And I have you know an excellent uh, person on the sales side right now. Um, I, we, we, just in the month of, uh, July, uh, cause I just saw the report today that they sent into corporate. I think we put out $402,000 worth of bids, even in this, and even in this environment uh, that we're going through today. So, you know, as far as I can't speak for other cities, but as far as Columbus goes, we're thriving. Uh, yes, we're thriving on the COVID but we're also thriving on, you know, our meat and potatoes, which is the janitorial contracts. Again, $402,000 in bids uh, and proposals in one month. Um, you know, uh, I'm sure you can imagine that's a lot, uh, especially considering right now, I think we're bill billing about 483,000 a month. So, you know, right now we're just, we're, and we have, uh, the last five years we've just experienced um, in Columbus serious growth. I think we did uh, 4.2. Yeah, we did 1.2 million growth uh, over uh, 18 to 19. And then uh, that was a 19 uh, here in 20. Uh, right now, if I were to continue to just bill what I'm currently billing the last three months average, uh, I think it's uh, uh, 7.8 million is where I'll finish, which would be a two point. Um, uh, 2.4 million increase in just one year. So, you know, to give you perspective, um, we have what's called a million dollar club uh, at our annual convention where you can get an award for being, uh, for increasing your business by a million dollars. And, you know, we're gonna, uh, we're projected to grow by two and a half million this year. Okay, thank you. Can you expand, Chris, a little bit? Uh, you mentioned, you know, the pandemic, what we're going through. Can you can you talk a little bit more in detail about how that affected you, how you pivoted, and how you you've addressed and attacked, and how it's you know what it's done. Obviously, it's done a lot for your business, but get into that just a, a little bit more. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, as I say to uh, my wife and friends, if there's you know because they often inquire of friends and family that, you know, how's the business doing in this pandemic? And I'm saying, and I always say back, you know, if there's one business to be in, in, in a pandemic, it's the cleaning business. Um, so, um, 
yeah, we just had an explosion on the on the specialized. We call it the COVID uh, work that we do that's COVID related. So you know, touch point disinfections, porters that do nothing but touch point disinfection, uh, electrostatic sprays, all kinds of things related to uh, the COVID uh, nineteen or whatever bug comes after that, whatever. So it's just ways in which that you can you know clean and disinfect. Uh, a facility or surfaces um, that has just gone absolutely nuts with the, with the pandemic. So uh, my uh, uh, that area of the business is just through the roof. But you know, there again, like I say, just going back to what, what we consider our meat and potatoes is the JS. That's going uh, gangbusters as well. So uh, I couldn't be happier uh, on either front. Great. Great, thank you, Wayne. Uh, I know you've probably got some good questions. We've had we've had a couple good calls uh, in the last week or so. Any anything comes to mind that you want to ask? Yeah, I think uh, the biggest question is is how many accounts in 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 Columbus do you currently have um, at a seven point eight million dollar business, and how many ten over approximately how many over ten thousand square foot facilities are there in the Columbus area? Oh, that's an awesome question for my general manager. Uh, I know exactly right now, I think we're in about 242 buildings uh, here in central Ohio. Uh, as to how many is above 10,000 square feet, that might be a, uh, a statistic that uh, my general manager is uh, familiar with. But um, uh, I think our average account size is, I think, 1,800 a month. Uh, so, uh, but as far as, you know, 10,000 square feet above, I, I, I don't know that off the top of my head. Uh, no worries. I was talking yesterday with Jamie from, uh, Raleigh Durham and j just trying to, and, and I'm seeing that the, uh, that the average is around 1800 to, to 2000 per account. So makes sense. Yes, sir. Thanks. Yeah. When I first started, when I first started the business, we were hoping for a thousand or 1100 average uh account size and you know over the years that's grown upwards of you know 18 like you just said 1800 to 2000. jim can you can you just break down um you know at 7.8 what your staffing looks like uh yeah, I mean, we kind of uh, did some progressive hiring here uh, uh, recently. So, uh, so right now I have uh, four FSMs, an operations manager, uh, and a director of operations. Um, but I also have, uh, I think her title is a, a business manager. She is also on the op side along with uh, my IC recruiter. She works kind of uh, with the IC recruiter, but also maintains uh, inventories. Uh, we do have some products that we maintain a somewhat of an inventory of, especially in the day and age with uh, PPEs, uh, you know, gloves, masks, um, disinfectants, those kind of things, uh, disinfecting wipes. Uh, so we recently made that hire to help better organize our operations and make them more efficient and free up. Um, the uh, FSMs to be able to, uh, you know, sell more of our non-janitorial services. Um, that's on the op side. And then we have uh, two sales execs 
and two BDSs uh, in the sales department. And my GM oversees the sales. Uh, what was it, uh, Mark? Three or four years ago, she was number one in the country. Um, right. But she's since moved on. Uh, but she still oversees the sales department. Um, and then uh, the office admin accounting, uh, we have uh, three there as well. Um, the main person and then uh, two support people. Um, so and we've kind of uh, all, and most importantly too, uh, a week from, well, starting this Monday, uh, we've made a new hire um, with a CBS person. Um, so that stands for commercial building services. So it's going to be a person that solely uh, works on NJS, non-janitorial services. Uh, but also, since that's going to be their only responsibility, they'll be able to take on much larger projects uh, with the FSMs. They have to manage uh, their janitorial book of business and also non-janitorial services. This person will focus just solely on non-janitorial services. Um, so that's another new hire that we made. Um, because one thing I always like to try to do, I, I like to try to make uh, proactive hires. Um, and given the current, you know, COVID situation with, you know, doing very well in that business, it's afforded me the, uh, budgets and the ability to go ahead and make those preemptive hires to kind of beef up. Uh, and also not only that, as I alluded to 400,000 and, um, uh, proposals in one month. Uh, and I think we have a great, uh, uh, it's a high possible probability that we're going to get, uh, probably 60 to 75% of that, that work. And if we do, uh, we're talking about growing the business by, you know, 30, 40%, nothing flat. And so I like to be prepared when that happens. Um, so that's another reason why we've kind of made those preemptive hires. Phenomenal. Oh, you're so this is, this is Wayne, Wayne again. I don't know if uh, it's kosher because I'm not. I'm new to business. I'm a I'm an officer in the Air Force who's going to retire soon. Um, but so with all the overhead and, and you said your company's roughly seven point eight million dollar company. Um, what are you netting for the company? Well, uh, I mean, that's that's what we're projected to end up is at 7.8 at the end of the year, just to qualify. Um, you know, I'm, I am I want to see at least, uh, uh, I would not be happy if I saw anything less than 7 or 8% EBITDA. Uh, with the current COVID situation, uh, we're probably more around 14% EBITDA. So with with without COVID, you'd be around fourteen percent, is what you're saying. No, I mean with COVID, currently right now we're around. Uh, I think uh, I think we were. Uh, yeah, I think we're averaging right around fourteen, fifteen percent uh, right now with COVID. Um, but you know, the thing of it is, one of our weaknesses, and it's the only weakness, uh, and it drives me nuts. But that's what we're uh, working on right now with changing out uh, personnel. Um, is that uh, we weren't, we were very uh, low when it comes to an, a non-janitorial services compared to all the rest of the cities in the country. Um, and so that's 
one of the things that Lisa and I have been massively working on uh, is getting the right people. Uh, you know, we want, we, I guess the saying goes that I've been preaching everybody is we want A players uh, in every position. And, you know, right now we're kicking butt and taking names in every aspect of the business, except for uh, on the outside, non-janitorial services. So right now with, unfortunately for some people with the COVID situation has made the talent pool very rich in talent. So we're in the process now of solving one of our biggest problems and uh, a huge revenue error is the non-janitorial services. One of the reasons why we're hiring the CVS position, commercial building services position, which would be full time for that. But also, you know, our FSMs are not performing. So if our FSMs were performing uh, as A players, which is where we're going to be by the end of the year, uh, then I would feel comfortable in saying that we should be uh, averaging 14% EBITDA by then. Uh, but right now with COVID, we're uh, at 14. If we didn't have COVID, I would say we'd probably be around nine or 10. Good, thanks, thanks for that clarification. But like I say, that's, uh, I'm not happy with that. Um, that's why, like I say, we're working so hard uh, to um, take something that we're not that good at, which, you know, that's, that's, we're, we're unfortunately in Columbus, we're at the top of virtually every category that we're measured by, except for that one category. And we're in the bottom third. And the way, you know, I feel is we're not a bottom third company. So we're going to rectify that. And not only will we be in the top third, but we'll be in the top 5% by year's end. This is Blair. Good. Good. Quick question. You mentioned that you had a $483,000 in bids out for July. That's monthly or annually? $402,000 is what we put out in June. And that was $402,000 a month. That's how much in bids that we put out equivalent, you know, that totaled up to $402,000 per month. So if we got 100% of what we put out in bids in June, that would be an additional $402,000 a month. Wow. Okay. Five million. Yes, sir. Hey, sir, this is Wayne again. So the FSMs are the ones that are putting out those bids. Is that correct? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, with the help of our ops manager and DOO. But yes, typically the NJS, what we call non-janitorial services or NJS, uh, that is uh, put out by primarily uh, the FSMs. But, you know, sometimes the DOO and or ops manager will help them and or if they have to take a project on here or there, they will do that themselves. But that's why we're adding the CVS person that will be full-time NJS. Hopefully, I didn't nomenclature to death. Did that answer your question, sir? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm definitely catching on to the terms. I use, in, in the military, we use a lot of acronyms. And I think that's all. Yeah, I was so. a six years Army Guard. Great question. Hi, this is Neil Frost for again. Chris. Go ahead. Uh, you're talking a little bit about uh, your product mix, um, and I'm not 
really completely 100% um, aware of all. I know that um, I've heard it said that there are like 20 different products, if I'm correct, uh, citywide offers. So I wanted you to talk a little bit about, you know, it sounds like your janitorial supply business is going well. What are and, and the, the reason why you haven't been able to expand into that area that you want to is maybe the sales force is not pushing it hard enough. Uh, but wanted you to just talk a little bit overall about like what are the big sellers? What do you sell? You know, like where your where is your main focus at, or or maybe what product lines have the best margin? Um, talk a little bit about your product mix. Well, uh, as far as my my thoughts are, uh, we call it JS janitorial service. That's the commercial cleaning aspect of our business. Uh, that's our meat and potatoes. That's what pays the bills. So, um, that's uh, that's why we uh, focus heavily on the uh, janitorial service, and that's where your sustained uh, month after month revenue comes from. Uh, as opposed to the other side of the business is non-janitorial services, which is one-offs, uh, uh, typically one-offs. I mean, you may have a, a floor program where uh, you buff monthly, you strip and wax annually, you top scrub quarterly, but and it's a program, but still that can kind of go away. But um, So janitorial is our main focus, but you know we basically are a property manager, so there's not anything that somebody would need done to a building that we should not be able to perform for them. And so behind the scenes, I always tell all my people, uh, no matter what they say, can you do this or do you do this? The answer is yes, I do that. And if I don't currently have an independent contractor on a, a setup to be able to perform that service for me, then I will immediately start working on finding independent contractors that will be able to perform that service for me so that I can sell that service to the customer. So although uh, it's part of our tagline saying we offer 20 plus other services, and that's a keyword 20 plus, I mean, I could probably name mm -hmm. off to you 75, 100, 125 <laughs> services that we could offer mm -hmm. to any particular facility. So that's the that's kind of the, the what we are is a one-stop shop. There should not be anything that anybody needs done to a building that I can't perform for them. So uh, you just give me the opportunity, I'll find somebody and I'll perform that service for you so that I can earn that uh, money. So, you know, the, that's what really kind of drew me into this was two things. One, I didn't have to deal with hourly employees. Uh, and number two, uh, I, uh, it was all performed by independent contractors. But the most important thing was I was not having, when I went into that building, trying to sell one thing. Mm -hmm. I could sell 50 different things. So my opportunities to get my toe in the door were vastly uh, improved. And that's what I, you know, I, way I was raised and that's the way I built my company is you give me an opportunity. I don't care if I get my pinky toe in that door, I'm gonna get my, I'm gonna get in there. And I may only get uh, a strip and wax out of you this time or uh, you know, a window washing uh, or whatever it is. But, you know, that's my angle in to get in to start that relationship, to bond a rapport, to get everything else that you get done to that building. And that's how you can build up your uh, portfolio of what you do, not only the buildings you do, but the services you perform for every one of those buildings. 
Hey, this is so Wayne again. So, so I, I like what you're saying. You get your foot in the door, and you know you get in with a company. You do one thing for them. So, who on your team is following up with that company and ensuring, hey, the quality was good. Were they satisfied? And how how can I help you more? Whoever it was, see, sometimes the sales department will generate those leads in their uh, when they're uh, prospecting, um, and so those recent. Uh, up until uh, come next Monday, uh, the leads that are generated for non-janitorial non customers were going to the ops team. And then they would be delegated out based on the territories, whichever territory it fell in. That FSM was the one that uh, pursued that opportunity. And also then they were then responsible for doing the follow-up as well. These outside uh, leads for, that are generated by the sales team for non-janitorial customers will now go to the CVS person. And it'll be that person's responsibility to pursue those leads and then also do the follow-up. Uh, not only to perform whatever service they hopefully are uh, able to get awarded, but to get other services uh, uh, out of them as well. Did I answer your question? Yeah, it did definitely answer the question. And, and I would imagine, you know, in the beginning, when you're starting out, a lot of that would be on me as the owner, um, my, my one FSM, I guess, as you're just trying to, you know, get your foot in the door uh, in, in the area. And, and like he was talking about, I'm looking at both Northeast Ohio and the Toledo area and Southeast Michigan. So we live uh, we just bought a house in northeast Ohio. Northwest, you mean? Yeah, that's what I meant. So I totally meant northwest. <laughs> you said northeast, near the then Toledo. You said Toledo. <laughs> yeah, northwest Ohio, southeast Michigan. Yeah, without a doubt, when you first start out, you're the you're the uh, person of many hats. You can't wait to start handing those hats off. But, you know, it's like I try to tell my ops team right now, well, they, they say, well, it can't be done. I, and I tell them, bull, it can be done. Because when I was doing the FSM's position, and I was only doing that position part-time because I was wearing so many other hats, I was averaging uh, $60,000 a month in additional services. You know, 20000 of that a month was just in janitorial supplies. And then I was averaging another thirty to 40000 a month in extra services. And so I was not, I was performing those. I was overseeing them. I was billing them. I was doing the whole nine yards. So it's not hard to do. So that was one of the, that's one of the things that as an owner starting out, you know, you wear those hats and, you know, you can tell your people, yeah, it can be done because I did it. Hey, Chris. Hey, Chris. So, this is Will from, oh, sorry. No, I'm sorry. Uh, I was just going to ask you. When you go in and you're doing these bids and you're comparing to the competition out there these days, uh, why are you winning? What, what's, what's setting you apart? You know, my sales staff is very good. They can walk the walk and they talk the talk. So, you know, uh, they get educated, um, you know, uh, making sure they know not only how to sell it, but they also know how to perform it. Um, experience, uh, you know, um, but I, the, the most important thing is being able to walk the walk and talk the talk. Uh, you got to have the confidence in yourself and the confidence in the company. You got to exude that. P 
people see that and they eat that up. Um, honesty. Like I can't say enough about just being straightforward and honest after you're educated, be honest with the, with the client because so oftentimes they are being sold by a salesperson and that salesperson has no practical experience. So they don't know what they're talking about. And if the, if the client is even halfway educated, they can see that a mile, a mile away. So, you know, uh, we have a really high closing ratio, really high, probably one of the best, if not the best in the country. So, um, that's why I say, uh, the only thing we're lacking in right now is, uh, the NJS game and we're going to fix that. And, you know, and the only way you can fix that is getting the right people on the bus. So you hear that all the time. Uh, but you know, you may have to keep changing them out, but once you get the right people on the bus, it'll take off. Chris, can you talk a little bit about the, the independent contractor relationship and the recruiting uh, for these guys when they first start out? Yeah, I, uh, I was fortunate that uh, you know, we had very fruitful lands when we first started recruiting for uh, contractors. It's very important that you, know, you have that relationship with your contractors, very honest, open, uh, respectful uh, relationship with them. Uh, there's a lot of really great people out there that may not be able to walk the walk or talk the talk, but they, they do darn good at cleaning buildings. And, you know, they're just salt of the earth, great people. Um, and, you know, if you do it right and you pay them right, uh, they're very thankful to have that relationship, to have the opportunity to grow their business. Um, so, you know, I've got contractors today, uh, four or five, I think I still got four or five from when I opened my door 17 years ago. Um, so, you know, um, but as you grow, you know, that you're just going to need more and more. So that's why, you know, I have a, um, position solely, uh, doing nothing but uh, the recruiting process, obviously, uh, with, uh, what we currently have and then, uh, how fast we're growing. Uh, it's like any, anything else you got to be constantly recruiting to be able to have enough good quality people to be able to take care of the, the stuff that you have and the stuff that you'll get. Is that what you're uh, shooting for, Mark? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And another question that, that comes up a lot of times, um, and, and it's always good to hear it from your perspective, is, you know, when you get an account and then you're going out to the contractor, you know, is there a big markup you have to put in there? And, or why would a contractor work with you for possibly a little less than, than what they could do it on their own? It's not, not necessarily a little bit less. I mean, it's a decent amount, but the thing of it is, though, they don't have to have all the upfront uh, overhead that I have to have. Uh, you know, like I say on my sales staff, uh, I've probably got one of the smallest sales staff, but that's only because they're that good. But, you know, you're going to pay. I got, you know, five people I got to pay for. I got to pay for the office, the phones, uh, the computer systems. Oh, that was something I was going to say, too, when uh, the, the guy was asking me about you know, juggling the starting out process and all that kind of stuff. You, I can't stress enough, you know, utilize computers and softwares and technology and keep yourself as organized as possible. You'd be surprised how much you can get accomplished if you're just organized. And if you're not going to be organized, it's going to be a rough road to go. But um, so I guess I got deviated there. What was the question again? 
it's talking about um, when you bring on when you get a job to an independent contractor, you know, you know, is there or what is the markup? And, you know, is it possible that they might take a little bit less, but you're giving a lot more business or explain how that works from a, a standpoint of now you're managing the, the project for the contractor and the client. And is it a situation where you've got to mark it up even more than what the client was paying before, you know, to make it right for the contractor? Well, yeah, I'm not, I mean, you know, I'm always looking at the building and now it's my general manager and we often discuss the larger ones. But, you know, but, but I've taught her she's been with me for going on eight years. But, um, you know, you really have to look at every building. Every building's kind of different. And, you know, the, most of them are pretty standard. Uh, there is a standard uh, percentage that you typically would pay a contractor uh, of the contract, but you know it may um, uh, several different things could influence that. Um, it may be a tougher job, uh, and we get to know the budget, and so we want the business. So um, I don't cut my side. I mean, I don't cut the IC side, the contractor side. I never, ever, ever mess with their pay. The only thing that I'll do and I do it occasionally is when I know it's a tough account, uh, if I know that I have to get to a certain budget, uh, therefore I have to reduce my price, I will reduce my side and my side only. Uh, I always protect and it's very important not to mess with the pay that the contractor's getting. Um, because you know, if uh, the way I've always looked at it, if I can pay them, as well as I can pay them, uh, then they're going to be that much happier, which means they're going to, you know, take care of my uh, clients that much more, and I'm going to have less problems. So instead of messing with, you know, one, two, three, four percent of their pay, it's not worth it in the end because, you know, the one thing you don't want to do is cause problems for yourself. So that's how I've built the business is every time I can, I try to push more over onto their side. Uh, and I'll just build my business over time because I want to make sure that, you know, they're happy with where they're getting paid. And when they are, uh, they're going to do a good, they're going to show up and do a good job. They'll, one of the reasons why they like doing business with Citywide is because all they have to do is show up and clean the building. That's it. If a customer calls in the morning, and wants to complain about one out of a hundred trash cans was missed, we get the phone call, not them. Because oftentimes they just went to bed at two, three, four, five o'clock in the morning. So at 7 38 o'clock in the morning, they don't have to get that call because one trash can was missed or uh, one toilet paper dispenser wasn't filled. Yes, those are things that shouldn't have happened, uh, but they're minor things, things that you know aren't the end of the world or whatever. So uh, they don't have to deal with that. They don't uh, have to have the sales staff uh, to generate the leads. Uh, if they can't, uh, uh, there's a ton of contracts and unfortunately they don't have the sophistication to be able to walk the walk and talk the talk to get that contract. So they wouldn't have a chance to uh, have that kind of contract anyway. Um, you know, the, uh, the other thing too is they don't have like the uh, accounting and overhead costs. Uh, they get, they, they show up every month on the 10th to collect their pay and it's there. It's guaranteed. Uh, they don't have to worry about, and, and you know, there's times where a lot of times where I'm having to wait 45 and 60 days on my money, uh, but yet they're still getting paid after uh, 30 days. Well, I guess it's kind of 40 days after the first day. Um, so there's a ton that they don't have to deal with. Life is so much simpler. Uh, and the, uh, when they work with Citywide, when they partner with us, as opposed to them doing it on their own.
Great, thank you. Great, great detailed answer there. What yeah, other I mean, questions I, do you all have for Chris? Oh, go ahead, Chris. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, it's it, it, uh, we had almost every one of the contractors that they pan out. Um, they're always the ones wanting more work from us, not us trying to find you know give them work. If that makes sense, uh, they they enjoy it and they like it like the model that much that. They're constantly saying, hey, when can I get my next building? Hey, when can I get my next building? I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. Can I get the next one? Yeah, Chris, Will from Chicago here. I, uh, I'm wondering how much you're having your salespeople lean into the, the subcontracting model during the sales process when they're building that relationship. Is it something that you're, you're pretty forward with? You know, uh, when I did it, I avoided it because, you know, 10, 15 years ago, subcontractor was a very dirty word. Um, and you know, and if, if it even got muttered, you know, you were done. You were, you know, so I never uh, brought it up. I would say, you know, uh, you know, uh, the building supervisor, instead of saying the independent contractor, I say, you know, the building supervisor, you know, they'll be there every night, so on and so forth. So I, I used other words. Uh, I used words other than subcontractor, independent contractor, anything that had the word contractor in it. I just didn't use it to describe the, the business model. But over the years, you know, you know, but if they asked, I told, you know, I, I, I said yes. But then I would explain the difference between you know, what they're traditionally thinking of as a subcontractor and how our business model is totally different than what caused them that problem before. Um, so, uh, yeah, I never lied or, uh, you know, uh, kept it from them in that respect. But as the years have gone by, yeah, it's, it's, it's especially to the larger customers, uh, it, it is openly discussed and, uh, you know, we're proud of the business model. And, I mean, I'm assuming that most of those larger customers where you're more forward with it, they are or aren't property managers because it seems like there's just fundamentally some redundancy if you were working with a property manager. No, I mean, the thing of it is, though, is the huge difference is whether you're talking about a property manager or a facility manager, if you're able to simplify their life, but yet still be competitively priced, why wouldn't you take advantage of that, right? So if I could go, if a property manager could come to Citywide and you know get 20 different services handled with one phone call to one person and it still be a competitive price with their budgets, who wouldn't want to do that? Would you rather deal with 20 different people or one person? Yeah, yeah, right. So, okay. you know, that's why you know, when I first started the business, the property management part of the business was one of the hardest there was to get into because, you know, to, to crack that egg, it was just virtually impossible. And so uh, for the longest time, we didn't get to that point, but we got to the point where we needed to start trying to break into that. We did and we have. And so that's what a lot of uh, how a lot of our business uh, over the last three to five years, why we've been able to grow by at least a million dollars a year for the last four or five years. And like I would say, this year, we're looking to at least grow by two a million. I wanted three million. 
but uh, you know, COVID kind of threw a wrench into that. Um, so it looks like we'll only uh, do about uh, two and a half. Right, right. And if you were to separate out your your customers in, in one camp, you have property managers and then everybody else on the other side. What percentage of your top line annually are you typically doing with property managers? Let's see here. Well, property managers slash facility managers, right? Yeah. Ones that are in charge of multiple buildings. Yeah. Because exactly. one one place that we've really blown up is uh, MLB's medically uh, operated building. So, uh, so um, I would say probably we're in the neighborhood of 15 to 20% at least. Okay. Got it. And, and, and that is, that's the side of the business that's really growing because we finally cracked that egg. And so we've got uh, property managers and building managers and facility managers saying, Hey, yeah, I'll check these guys out, man. They took over my place and my buildings and I don't have hardly any problems whatsoever. So it's by word of mouth that, you know, we're, you know, uh, going to gain a great deal of the property managed facility managed market over the next three to five years at least is just simply because we finally cracked that egg. Our name is getting out there and and it's getting spread. Got it. Okay. All right. And, and this is, uh, I'm drifting here, but along those lines, I'm also wondering what percentage of your work is government work? Zero. Okay. All right. Is there a reason why you, know, why you haven't gone after that or succeeded there? <laughs> Well, because you got to fill out 200 pages worth of documents. Uh, oftentimes, they're minor, minority preferred contracts. Uh, oftentimes, uh, they're cutthroat contracts. Uh, the margins are minimal. Um, I, I, why would I wait? Why, why, as I try to tell my sales staff, why would you want to waste your time filling out 200 pages of contracts? They want everything under the sun, financials, uh, ask for everything, including your firstborn. All that time, all that effort to have such a small percentage of an opportunity to earn that business. Is it there? Can you get it at some point in time? Will we go after it? Yes. But right now, there's still so much other low-hanging fruit, even after 17 years, even, you know, going to hopefully do $7.8 million this year. I mean, that's, to me, that's, we're still only scratching the surface. There's so many other prospects out there that could we could get with such so much less effort. That's why I don't mess with the government. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Thank you. Hey, as a as a guy that hires folks on the on the government side, I fully agree with you. It's asinine how hard it is with the FAR and everything for us to get to get vendors onto the base. So thanks. Thanks for answering that. Yes, sir. Hey, great questions and discussions. Um, we, we've got a, a few more minutes. Does anybody uh, have any last minute questions for, for Chris? Well, Chris, uh, thank you very much. First off, I, I know, you know, just the last few months you've been extremely busy, so really appreciate the, the time that you spent today. Uh, everybody on the phone, I'll, I'll be reaching out to you uh, over the next day and, and following back up with you. Uh, Blair, I'll definitely get you a couple of recordings. So really appreciate your guys' time in calling in and continuing your 
uh, process of discovery with us. So uh, thank you all. Hope you have a great night, and we'll talk to you shortly. Thank you.